are worlds between our own, and from these worlds there are written histories, both ancient and modern. To read of these testaments scrawled in hidden places and on other things, you must fix your eyes uncomfortably within you, and if successful, your gaze will unlock the door behind raw imagination and meet the manuscript of innumerable folios known as the Dark Darkness. Hello, I'm Sharkchild, and this is The Dark Verse. Short stories of occult, metaphysical, and fantastical horror that will follow you to the visions of your sleep. This is the first time... Well, last episode was the start of it, but uh, this cluster of three recent episodes is the first time in over six years that I've released episodes so close together. So... We're off to a uh, really good start in getting this podcast back into uh, business as usual. If you believe in this podcast and in the stories that I write, I would love your monthly support. I have a Patreon project going on right now for the for the podcast and you can uh, lend me monthly support to do what I do best, which is write horror stories. And you can do that by going to p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash the dark verse that's patreon.com slash the dark verse okay let's dive into this story this is episode 94 of the dark verse and it is entitled the ruination die there were palm readers fortune tellers and clairvoyants but i was nothing like them Where others saw auras and energies, I saw numbers. Each and every person that ever entered my view was accompanied by a number, a number that could not be known by the individual it belonged to unless I divulged it. The numbers I saw, or more accurately, were imprinted within my mind, were the times of people's conceptions, the specific and astrological moments when these individual spirits came forth from an unknown realm and converged with the fertilized egg of a woman's fallopian tube or of an in vitro petri dish in a laboratory. I saw the time stamps of people's exact emergence into existence. For the first part of my life, The ability did not offer me entirely useful information, other than for guessing ages, until I came to the realization in my teenage years that with it came the knowledge of the authentic date and time of the birth of the universe, the point of origin for all the numbers I perceived, and that, therefore, this gift was more than supernatural, that this unusual information came from a source outside of myself. Unlike the ambiguity of a mystic's powers, I was given concrete, factual data. Reading someone's future or past is much different than seeing someone's inarguable genesis. This meant that someone, or something, was giving me this faculty, and that gave me purpose. I sought to discover the bequeather of my ability so that I could understand its reason and perhaps devote my life to something great. 
I pursued a Bachelor of Science degree in Natural Sciences, hoping to get into the field of physical cosmology and explore certain phenomena that would relate to the universe's beginning. It turned out that I would not need a lifelong career to uncover the mysteries of my ability. It was at the end of spring, just before my graduation, as I worked to complete my final papers, that I stumbled upon a cardinal link between the physical realm and my spectral insight. I sat at my desk in my dorm room in the later hours of the evening. I had started to grow increasingly delirious as I pushed towards the completion of a term paper for my statistical physics course. On the corner of a piece of scrap paper, in place of what normally would be a doodle, I mindlessly scribbled the conception number of my roommate, who soundly slept on the other side of the room. I tore it from the sheet and crumpled the number into a ball in my hand. As I did so, a strange longing came over me to unite this number with myself, corporeally. The immediate response was to ingest the piece of paper, but rather than attempting to force down a tasteless chunk of tree, I pulled a gel-coated tablet of ibuprofen from its container in my desk's top drawer. I rewrote the conception number on it with a felt-tip pen and swallowed it with a swig of water. As soon as the pill was within me, an overwhelming nausea assaulted my stomach. It came so quickly and with such discomfort that I immediately vomited. A sickly stew of green mucus and slosh erupted from my mouth. On the third wretch, a mass squeezed itself up through my esophagus and lodged itself in my throat. It caused me to vacantly heave several times in agonizing pain before the mass came free and spewed out with the rest of the vomit mixture. It was an object with twelve pentagonal faces, each containing a different archaic image. The strange object joggled around on the floor a few times before it rested with an upward image of what looked like intermingling clouds and flames. No sooner had I processed the image than a bolt of cylindrical energy shot down from the sky, cutting through the roof and upper floors of the dorm, incinerating all that it touched, before striking my roommate and placing her in a stasis of timelessness. During this period, she did not move or breathe, and her skin gleamed under green light. After a few seconds, the energy surrounding her burst her into a superheated explosion that sent pieces of her sizzling flesh throughout the room. I was left amongst the remnants of my roommate, my regurgitations, and the starlit sky beaming down through the hole in the building, exhilarated. Although it was not one of the more conventional means of rolling dice, this object was a dodecahedron die, and I had rolled it when I purged it from my body. Its result was the harbinger of the event that befell my roommate. I reached down to grab the ruination die and inspect its other etchings, but when my fingers hit its surface, it turned to ash and dissipated. Unsure of what to do next, I then noticed the screaming and the blood that began to drip down through the opening in the ceiling. My dorm room was on the second floor of a four-floor building. One of the students two floors above had her bed in the same location as my roommate and, unfortunately, had also been sleeping when the energy beam struck, 
A portion of the right side of her body, including the arm and leg, was outside the circumference of the blast and was the cause of the blood. Her roommate was the source of the horrific scream. Although people had their suspicions of me, since I remained unharmed at the base of the tragedy, there was no evidence that this was anything other than a fluke occurrence of some bizarre, although powerful, phenomenon. The few days following the incident were hectic at the university as police and government agencies investigated, but school for the semester did eventually come to a close. I graduated and went home. My adoption parents were happy to have me back in the house, but I was distant. I was consumed by the terrible extension of my ability and the mystery of the ruination die. I needed to know who or what the greater power was that contrived this occult mechanism. Overtaken by this obsession, I spared not a shred of remorse for my deceased roommate and schoolmate because I knew that in order to learn more, more lives would be lost. The consequences of rolling the die for another person would assuredly be severe. It was an unknown game of chance where an archaic force was guaranteed to strike with indefinite impact. But I had the advantage, the capacity to invoke this ritual at a distance, any distance. One week into my stay back home, I bought a package of thin, disc-shaped communion wafers and headed to the local mall. I started with the vein. I picked and chose people according to their narcissistic demeanors, manners, and interactions. I wrote each of their conception numbers down on a wafer and stored them in a separate box. Since the vomiting would create a scene, I retreated from the public eye to the remote outskirts of a nearby park. Hidden away behind the shrubbery, I began to consume the wafers and puke their corresponding die rolls. Upon each roll, I took a picture of the die's image before it dispelled. I was able to complete the ritual seven times before my body was incapable of bearing the burden of the act any further. Five new images on the ruination die were recorded. One was of the ground falling away into darkness. One was of slicing blades. One was of a violent tumult of water. One was of a creature with its mouth open and one was of letters. The repercussions of these roles were too far away for me to witness, but the pandemonium was not. Throngs of people were exiting the mall as teams of fire engines, ambulances, and police patrol vehicles pulled up to it. I read in the newspaper that some of the victims had made it home or to other locations before they were struck down by the plague of the ruination die. The details of deaths were no less graphical than the demise of my ex-roommate. In one instance, the victim was swallowed whole by the earth. In another, the body exploded by water that came up out of ruptured piping and forcefully entered the victim's every orifice. In another, the victim fell apart into hundreds of slivers of flesh, bone, and tissue. In the occurrence of the creature, the victim was ingested by a twelve-foot-tall interdimensional traveling monster. And, lastly, as a result of the illustration of letters, the victim was flattened into the thinness of paper by a falling pentagonal slab of dense metal. It took four more excursions and thirty-seven rolls before I had seen and captured all twelve possible images of the ruination die.
inflicting unforgiving death to passers-by via random judgment. Even in possession of these symbols, I was no closer to unveiling the arcane orchestrator behind the game, but it still felt like a grand accomplishment, a feeling comparable to the beating of a video or computer game while acquiring or completing all of the available bonus material. It was the absence of any more clues that led me to the explanation of the game. The missing piece was me. I knew everyone's moment of conception except my own. I could not see it, neither in a picture nor in a mirror. It was this lack of the number that led me to my number. After drawn out intense contemplation, it came to me. My number was always there. It was zero. I was the beginning. I was the game master purposefully lost in time. I laughed then because it was a masterpiece of a game that I had devised, and my plan to play it as a fresh, uninstructed experience was everything that I could have ever hoped for. With new control over matter, I scrunched my stomach and expelled the source ruination dye from my mouth into my hand, threw it into the air to roll one last time, and vanished from the world. That concludes episode 94 of The Dark Verse. If you want to listen to or download all of the past episodes, you can search for The Dark Verse in iTunes or on SoundCloud, or you can go to thedarkverse.com and hit my episodes stories tab, and you will find them all there. Okay, I'll see you in a few weeks with another story, and I'll freak you out a little bit more then. All stories on the Darkverse are the sole property of Sharkchild and cannot be used for distribution, publication, or monetary gain without his written consent. Sleep deeply and remember to love. Love.